Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the third episode of Pride or Die. I am here with my co-host, Nick Bradley of the Detroiter. I am David Pike from the Detroit Lions Forum. It is such a great chance to come back and have another episode with you guys on this Memorial Day Sunday. How are you doing today, Nick? Fantastic. I told you before we started, spent a little time outdoors today, got the vitamin D. I think <laughs> that's the one that comes from the sun. Um, so I'm feeling good. I'm ready to talk a little Lions football. I was actually... Was at the was at the beach today with a Colts fan, with really? a Giants fan, and with a Rams fan. So I we were I mean I'm the Lions fan of the group. I was the punching bag. So I'm ready to like I don't know. Get it's like a cathartic experience for me today. Just get all the negative vibes out and turn the page a little bit here. It sounds like a bad joke somewhere. Go to the beach and you have yourself a Colts, a Rams, and whatever that other fan was. Like, I'm waiting yeah. for a punchline to drop. But, yeah. all right, let's get into our first topic today. Obviously, in this uh, session, we're going to be talking about OTAs because that's by far the most prominent uh, piece of news that we have coming out into this week. And the first thing we have to talk about when it comes to the OTAs is Aiden Hutchinson. And with that, Aiden Hutchinson by far got the most attention from the OTA sessions. So the first thing I have to ask you is, are you buying the hype about Aiden Hutchinson that he can be a game changer that Holmes and Campbell envisioned him to be when they drafted him number two overall? I'm putting everything I own into the hype. Ever, I'm refinancing <laughs> the house. I'm selling the car. I'm eating nothing but cold ramen for a month so I can invest in Aiden Hutchinson. You know me a little bit, at least to this point. All yeah, I do, all I, I, it's I. If I'm not gonna buy in, if I'm not gonna believe, then what's the point in the first place? So of course I'm bought in. How couldn't you be? He's the second overall pick. I mean, absolutely. Um, I, I'll say this: when we drafted Aiden Hutchinson, I was jumping up and down. I was ecstatic. I was so glad that we got him at number two. But I will say this. From the reports that we got out of OTAs, the the promise that we were that we were given from Aiden Hutchinson is already we're starting to get a return on investment because again, if you if you trust the reports, if you've been reading the news, he had himself a day in day three against the uh, third string, mind you, it was the third string. But when you get back to back to back sacks on David Blau, you know you're doing something right. You know that there's talent there. You know that Aiden Hutchinson's future is already starting to look bright, and I cannot wait to actually see him go up against the more um, the more talented members of that offensive line and actually showcase his talent even more. Absolutely. Um, it's good to know. Yeah, third string is third string, I suppose. But at the same time, he should be dominating those guys. It's good to see that he is, in fact, dominating those guys. Like there's Even though it is the third string, and you could if you were looking to poke some holes, do so with that narrative. Listen, the guy's doing what he's supposed to. He's a young guy. What is he, 21 years old, 22? Something like Pat that. him on the back. Give him a couple claps. Let's hype him up a little bit. Let's boost the young guy up. Nothing. I, I'm sure it happens in every fan base. But one of my biggest pet peeves with the Lions fan base, feels like all of the Detroit fan bases, but I notice it so much with the Lions, is they'll spend a high draft pick on somebody or give them a big contract, whatever the case is. And the first moment they can come after him and try and tear him down, it feels like some of the fans in Detroit are so ready to do so. And I've just never, I've never totally gotten it. Like there are, I'm sure people out there who are like preying on Aiden Hutchinson's downfall. I just, I'll never get that. So it's good to see him doing what he should be doing. 
Oh, I, I get it. I mean, when you talk to just about anybody in the Detroit sports media, there's always somebody that's waiting, praying, lurking around, trying to tear somebody down, whether it's Aiden yeah. Hutchinson. And the first thing where they refer to is back to the Georgia game where he just kind of disappeared. Or if it's Jared Goff or it's DeAndre Swift, it, it, it doesn't matter who the player is. They always find something negative. But the thing is with Aiden Hutchinson, like the, just the return on investment, again, I'll bring that back, trusting the process that Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes have put in place. We're already seeing that all of the hard work that Aiden Hutchinson is already putting in with the Lions, it's starting to bear some fruit. So I'm absolutely bought into the hype. I can't wait to hear what he does in phase two of the OTAs. I can't wait for the mini camp and training camp. I cannot wait to see how much more Aiden Hutchinson actually blossoms in to being the number two overall pick. We're just going to have to wait and see, though, but it should be a really fun time to see Aiden Hutchinson really become that player for the Detroit Lions. Definitely. I mean, the thing is, too, if we want to talk about competing this year, so much of the Lions' success rides on him being a player from day one. So it's going to be a big, a big storyline to follow all year. I'm excited. Absolutely. So with that being said, let's move into our next topic, which coincidentally is talking about the opposite end of the De- of the Detroit Lions line. And we're now going to be shifting from the defensive line, Naden Hutchinson. Now we're going to shift over to the offensive line. And with that being said, one of the things I like to follow is PFF. And PFF recently released a list of their top five offensive lines, in their opinion. And the Lions were ranked third on that list. And Taylor Decker, in a recent interview when he was talking to the media, stated that this is the best offensive line that he has played on in his career or he's ever been a part of. And says that provided that, and so the way I'm going to ask this question is provided that the unit stays healthy, like the overall entirety of the offensive line stays healthy, what expectation can we realistically see from the Lions' offense as a whole? What do you think? I few things to unpack one that's a great thing to hear when your offensive line is the backbone of your team that is that's the best thing to hear you look around the game of football it's a cliche thing to say but it's true you win the game in the trenches if you don't have an offensive line I don't care who your QB is I don't care how many wide receivers you have I don't care who runs the ball you need to have an offensive line now when you bring in an offensive line third in the league as PFF says That's elite. That's elite tier. And we kind of saw it towards the end of last year. They started to get in the rhythm a little bit. Ragnar was gone, obviously. But when you can run the ball, that makes guys like Jared Goff's life a million times easier. When you can run the ball, Amon Ross St. Brown looks like the greatest receiver to come out of the draft in the late third round or fourth round or whatever it is. When you run the ball, TJ Hawkinson is that much more of a nightmare for linebackers or safeties to cover. Everything on the offensive side, no matter which team, like you look at the Chiefs, they're extremely dynamic. Their downfall, once again, was the fact that Patrick Mahomes runs for his life every time he snaps the ball. So if this offensive line can stay healthy, if they can do what I think we expect them to do, I, sky's the limit for the offense. When you, It's funny looking back at the offense kind of being a hindrance for the Lions the last few years. That should be the thing that makes them what they are. Like, if they will make the playoffs, it'll be because of the offense and the offensive line. 
Absolutely. Um, again, you're absolutely right. When you're talking about how teams really become successful, it's building in the trenches. You have to win battles in the trenches because that's where it all starts. And for me, the thing that makes our offensive line such a unique unit in and of itself is that, number one, I, I hate bringing up the previous regime, but one of the things that Bob Quinn really did well was he invested very well in the offensive line. He drafted Taylor Decker. He drafted Frank Ragnow. I will give him credit for that. And then when Brad Holmes moved in, he continued that success and he got Panay Sewell. We've got three first rounders on that offensive line and they're all very, very talented players. Our left tackle, our right tackle, our center, all first rounders. And Jonah Jackson, a third round pick, right. he's no slouch either. So our offensive line is loaded with talent. It's loaded with guys that, well, apart from Panay Sewell, have at least had two years or more working together as a unit. And when you have a line that has that much continuity together, they have that much chemistry together, it really bodes well for how successful this offense can really be. Again, as you stated, a quarterback really needs a good offensive line so that way he can sit back there in the pocket and not be harassed. He can survey the field. He can find open wide receivers. That right there is going to make Jared Goff's life so much easier because he's not going to be constantly pressured like he was last year. The running game is going to open up, which is then going to open up the play-action passing, which is something that Jared Goff is surgically deadly with. Is like He's one of the best play-action passers, bar none, in the league. So when you have all of that working together and the offensive line stays relatively healthy, like you said, sky is the limit for this offense for the Detroit Lions. Again, if the, if the Lions' offensive line stays healthy, I do not think it's a miss to see this offense being a top-10 unit, not in my opinion. 100%. So. 100%. The only downside is I feel like someone's going to get hurt. I mean, it's football, right? offensive line, it feels like they go down constantly too. So that does suck that one of those three guys you listed. Yeah. I, I mean, hate to say it, but I somebody's mean, probably going to be injured at some point. The inevitability is, is that at some point somewhere by someone, they're going to get hurt. But I will say this. The thing that gives me hope is that we had some guys on our offensive line last year that were injured. So if, for True. whatever reason, somebody gets injured, there's enough depth pieces to where it's like, okay, if Taylor Decker goes down, you can move Sewell back over to the left and you can fill someone in right. at the right. Okay, we we just brought in Eze, who is an undrafted free agent. We brought in Jarvis, who's an undrafted free agent. Those guys look promising. You could plug them in as well. We still have Logan Sternberg, who has pretty much proven that he is a good run blocker. He hasn't really developed as a pass blocker, but there's the point I'm getting at here is there's plenty of good depth on that offensive line that can sustain if we happen to get injuries. So while I am concerned about the prospect of injuries, I'm not nearly as concerned as say maybe another team that is really, really thin at offensive line depth. That's not something I think the Lions have to worry about this year. Absolutely. I mean, I hope not. I hope not. But like you said, that is a good thing that they had a little bit of experience last year. Fingers crossed they stay healthy. I'm excited. For the first time in my life, the offensive line should be a unit that can just move people, that can just oh. create holes that anybody could run through. So I'm excited to see, hopefully, that come to fruition. Absolutely. I would love to see uh, DeAndre Swift like get 1,000 yards. I would love to see oh, man. any one of our running backs to get 1,000 yards behind that offensive line. I would love to see holes you could drive yeah. trucks through. 
He's a guy who but, makes stuff happen when there isn't a hole. Imagine he start every first down every time. There's just a big hole off the left tackle. What's going to happen then? And then, like you said, Jared Goff. That's why they started scoring points later on in the season. Is the passing, uh, the play action game came along. All of a sudden, Jared Goff looks like Joe Montana back there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, that offensive line is going to be a very, very huge key to the Lions' success on offense this year. Now, Mm -hmm. let's move into our next topic on the show, and that is (laughs) – I always love talking about Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, by far, is probably the most animated head coach that we have in the NFL today. Like, anytime he gets in front of a camera – you always want to pay attention because something that's about to come out of his mouth is going to get on national media or national news because he's just a very animated, charismatic guy. And one of the things in the previous uh, media session that he had with the Lions media is that he was talking about having Aaron Glenn back and how he was so ecstatic to have Aaron Glenn back. But The thing about it is, is it's kind of a bittersweet moment because while it's great having Aaron Glenn back, everybody also knows that chances are more likely than not, sooner or later, we're going to lose Aaron Glenn to a head coaching position. Like he was this close to becoming the head coach of the New Orleans Saints this offseason. So my question to you is kind of playing a little bit into the future if and when Aaron Glenn does get does leave Detroit and he's no longer the defensive coordinator. What do you think is the Lions' plans to replace him at defensive coordinator? Do you think they might potentially go in-house, or do you think they go outside of the, the organization and maybe go that route? It's an interesting question for sure. I will say this. Um, it's a good thing that Aaron Glenn was nearly the coach of the New Orleans Saints. It's a good thing everybody wanted to interview him. It's a good thing that they think he'll be gone next year because more so in the college game, I suppose. But you look at Alabama, you look Georgia – New England in the pros, there's a reason like those coaches, they lose them every year. That means they're good at their job. That means they're doing what they're supposed to do. I want to have what everybody else wants. That's a good thing. So even though Glenn is probably gone after this year, that's fine. I I like the fact that we get one more year of him. Like we're playing with house money now. And then you get the opportunity for all these other guys around him for Aaron Glenn to rub off on them pass along some of his wisdom, give that, give them a little bit of what he has that has everybody in the NFL attracted to him. So I do enjoy that. I do enjoy that. Whether or not he leaves next year, either way, I'm glad to have him. Um, I do think he will do a good job. I do think the defense will be better this year. I have a lot of faith in Aaron Glenn, but as far as him moving on, that's kind of, I don't know. It's tough. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they went out of house. Just, I feel like the way Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell do things, they would just look for the best guy for the job, no matter who he is or where he comes from. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they kept it in-house. I feel like Aubrey Pleasant gets talked about quite a bit, whether it's in the news or players. I feel like he has a pretty good rep within the building and with the fans. So I wouldn't be surprised if and when Glenn moves along, if Pleasant is at least interviewed, tried out, whatever you want to say, for the D.C. position. What about you? What do you think? Um, I, I'll probably be a little bit of a disagreeance with you because I don't want Aaron Glenn to leave. I don't want him to leave at oh, all. I, I don't want him I mean, to leave, but he I mean, will. The, the thing about it is, is that, again, bittersweet. If Aaron Glenn were to leave, it definitely would be a good reflection on Dan Campbell because when you talk about head coaches, 
One of the other ways they build their legacy is their coaching trees. If they don't necessarily do well in winning Super Bowls or playoff appearances, so on and so forth, how well do they churn out coaches? When it comes, for example, Bill Belichick, the guy's got Super Bowl wins up the wazoo. But when it comes to developing coaches, yeah, it's a it's a pretty nasty, ugly little list because practically every co- every coach that's left him to go and be a head coach on their own, maybe except Mike Vrabel, has just been absolute misery. Like none of them do any any really good. So for me, if if Aaron Glenn were to leave and he goes out and he actually starts being a good a good coach in his own right, that's going to look well on Dan Campbell. Again, I wouldn't like him to leave. I guarantee you, there's not a lot of people that would. But if he does, I mean, I'd just be like Dan Campbell. Good for him. I hope he has success. Now, as far as who the Lions would most likely, you know, bring in to be the new defensive coordinator, again, I think they go straight to the jugular of the situation. They go right after Aubrey Pleasant because think about it this way. When Aaron Glenn was hired away from New Orleans, part of that was because he and Dan Campbell had been working together for several years. But – Within his own right as a coach, Aaron Glenn was already being talked about as a defensive coordinator as other teams because of the job he did as the defensive backs coach as with the Saints. Well, here's the thing. He got promoted. He came here to Detroit. And again, against all odds, even though the the statistical numbers for the Lions last year were just atrocious on defense, he somehow took a hodgepodge defense and he actually was able to keep a lot of games close when most of us were, most people were expecting us to get blown out of the game. So mm-hmm. if he comes in this year with more talent around him and the team, the defense actually improves even more so, I will fully expect him to get a head coaching job somewhere. But the next person in my mind that's most likely to replace him, as you stated, would be Aubrey Pleasant. Again, Aubrey Pleasant is one of those guys that a lot of people have had in coaching carousel talks over the years about potentially becoming a defensive coordinator. And when he has success at that, then becoming a head coach in his own right. Again, Aubrey Pleasant is just a guy that is, he's on the rise. I see him as a very popular, charismatic coach. And I think Mm -hmm. that that works well in Detroit. You need a guy that can communicate with these guys. And again, he's played the, he's played the positions in the NFL. I think if Aaron Glenn leaves, he would be the next logical choice to be the defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, and and like you said, uh, he's a young, energetic, charismatic guy. That does seem to be the theme of Dan Campbell's staff. And really the entire new regime is just people who want to be there, people who are fired up all the time, who are in your face, letting you know, like happy to be there, getting you excited. So it does seem like it would be a good fit. And I agree with you too. I don't want Aaron Glenn to leave. But I think he's going to like it's just he's going to take a better job. Oh yeah, point. I mean, abs- just... absolutely. I mean, again, I would love it if Aaron Glenn would just stay here. But again, just knowing the way the business works, he's probably going to leave. But I mean, you just brought up a yeah. great point about how everybody here is energetic. They're excited. They're happy to be in the building. I, let me let me post let me post this question to you just really quickly. When's the last time before now do you remember there were people in the Lions building smiling during OTAs? When Matt Patricia was here, nobody was smiling. Everybody was just like, man, why am I here? But you see all the pictures. Like, everybody is just happy. They are grinning. They are just having so much fun being in OTAs. Like, it seems like they're just out there playing football. It's not a job to them. It's them having fun. And when, again, as a former uh, player myself – when you're having fun and you're not thinking about what you're doing, 
that's when you play your best football. That's absolutely right. And it's not even just football. Like anything, you go to work, you're helping somebody move out of their place, whatever task or thing you're doing, if everybody's in a good mood and there's a positive feeling around whatever that thing is, it is just better. You're in a better mood. It probably goes better. You do better work. Everything about it just becomes better. So it is good to see. It's refreshing that, yeah, like it seems it seems as bad as last season was, it's a pretty good feeling within the locker room. So that's all oh, yeah. you can really ask for at this point. Again, the, 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 the watchword I would say when it comes to Detroit right now, if it's not confidence, it's hope or optimism. Like you can feel it. Mm-hmm. It's infectious coming out of Allen Park right now. There is a lot Absolutely. of optimism. There's a lot of confidence coming into this next season from all the players and coaches in Detroit. And it's, it's really a truly wonderful thing. It's not like everyone's like, oh, we're coming into another year. We might be lucky to win X amount of games. It's like, no, 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 no. We're coming in and we're like, we expect to win these games. Yeah. If we get anything else, it's extra gravy on top. It's not like, oh, we're we're trying to reach the bar. No, we know what the bar is. We're trying to go over the bar. We're trying to, ex- yeah. we're trying to supersede our expectations. Yeah, like the so. expectation, it's like they forgot that they're the Detroit Lions. The expectation is to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter who we are, what we were last year. I love it. I love everything about it. I'm fu- I'm fired up for this season. I don't want to get myself all in this great mood. Like all, all these great <laughs> things are going to happen. I was literally, when I was talking with my friends just now, it was like, they were talking to me. They asked me, would you bet that the Lions make the playoffs over the Giants? And I'm sitting there like, I would love to. I think they will. I think they should, uh, <laughs> if either of them were to make it. But like, I don't know. I, uh, I'm going to say this before we move into our next topic. I would not only take that bet, I would bet everything on that over the Giants because right, personally, right. I the Giants, they made they've made plenty of moves. But you know what? Their roster is still a huge mess as far as the finances are concerned. Their their quarterback situation with Daniel Jones yep. is very very shaky. You don't know what you're getting out of Saquon Barkley because he right. was injured. So that's just my viewpoint. They but stink. They stink. This, and this I still is, was like, we're the Lions, so who knows? It sucks. Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> we're not here to talk about the Giants. We're here to talk about the Lions. So let's move into our next that's topic right. really that's quickly. True. So here's the thing: if you're a Lions fan and you've been a Lions fan for any you know, given point in history over the last old 40 years, there's always been one constant in Detroit, having good kickers. We have, we have had a longevity of continuity of being blessed with good kickers. We had Eddie Murray. Then we had Jason Hansen. Then we had Matt Prater. Like we've always had a good amount of kickers on our squad. So for me, the thing is now we've got three kickers in camp. We've got Riley Patterson. We've also got, um, uh, I think his name, how you pronounce it, is, Al- is Aldrich Rosas. And we've also got Austin Seibert. So my question to you is with that many kickers in camp, what do you think as far as who's going to win the kicking battle? Because obviously it's a battle. Um, I don't know. I mean, didn't Patterson take some, take some kicks for us last year? Wasn't he doing some of the work back there? Cybert, too, I want to say, right? Well, Cybert started the year, and then what wound up right. happening is he got injured, and so they then brought in Riley Patterson off of the New England practice squad, and he had himself a year as a first-time yeah. kicker. I think he was like 13 for 14 on kicks, so he did very well. 
Now, with that being said, Aldrich Rosas, he has a former Pro Bowl nod under his belt. So each one of them has something unique or something positive to bring to the competition. I'm sure it'll be somewhat of a let's have him kick every day until we got to set the roster and then we'll make our decision and probably go with the hot hand, which I, you know, rightfully so. I also think Rosas Pro Bowl, that's awesome. But I also think Patterson, like you said, I was going to say, like, I thought he was pretty good for us last year. Why not? I mean, he ride the hot I mean, hand. He was, he was good last year. Why not? I mean, last year he won a special teams player of the week award. So he played very mm-hmm. well last year as our kicker. And again, when you take a look at all the kickers that we have, they're all very young. I think they're like at most like 26 something years old. So oh, wow. they're very young. They have the chance to, again, be that kicker for the Lions for the next 15 plus years before we'd have to consider getting yet another mm-hmm. kicker. So for me, I'll, I'll be honest here. I want Riley Patterson to win the job because, again, he came in off the practice squad from the Patriots and he did just an amazing job coming into Detroit when we needed something to help score points. And he was very, very successful. He was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He was very uh, clutch because he constantly just did it over and over and over again. There was a continuity with him. But I will say this. I don't want just one kicker. I want somebody on the practice squad that we protect every single week just in the off chance, hey, somebody gets injured or, hey, he gets suspended, whatever reason comes up. Because as we've seen in like the two years after Hanson retired, before we got Matt Prater, we were miserable with kickers, trying to figure out who would be the kicker. We had David Akers for a little bit. Then we had Matt Freeze, the kicker out of uh, MSU for a while. And that was a terrible experiment. So it's like you can never have too many kickers because all it takes for kickers is mostly a mind game. And if they're not up there all the way and they're getting shaken in confidence, they can totally fall apart. Yeah. That's why I like Patterson too, though, is because he did it. You know what I'm saying? Like he played for the Lions. He kicked field goals during games and he was good at it. So it's the way I look at it is kind of like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like this guy, he did everything you wanted him to do. Absolutely. Let's see it again, Riley. Here's another season, buddy. Let's go out and go get him. Go get him, pal. So we'll see. I mean, whoever's making kicks. As the saying goes, don't reinvent the wheel. Right. So, all right. We're going to get into our last topic here before we wrap up the show. So, okay. Obviously, OTA's phase one's just ended. So we're still a little premature in this whole process here. But if you had to choose one offensive player and one defensive player to have breakout seasons for the Detroit Lions this year, who would you take? Whew, that's that's a tough question. <laughs> on defense, on defense, I'll go Hutchinson. I think Hutchinson, and if things go according to the way they go in my mind, when I wake up under the covers and I'm warm and I'm daydreaming and I have a smile on my face, in that scenario – Aiden Hutchinson has like a 10 sack season and he fits in and he has it from day one. So I'll go Aiden for defense. Offense is a little trickier because there's quite a few different directions you could go. Mm-hmm. Offensive breakout player. I'll go, I'll go DeAndre Swift running behind that third ranked line by PFF 
We already know it's not like Swift would burst onto the scene like nobody knew who he was. Anybody who's a Lions fan or if you've watched him, you see the guy play and it's obvious he knows what he's doing, right? He's a great running back. If he stays healthy and the offensive line lives up to the hype, like he should have a monster season running behind him because he catches the ball out of the backfield too. He's nice in the screen game. Like he really does everything. Stay healthy and offensive line, do your job, and he should run wild. He should run wild this year. Who are your two? So I'll start on defense, and here's the thing. Again, Aiden Hutchinson, very popular decision. But mm-hmm. for me, my breakout player is Jeff Okuda, and here's the reason why. I like that. Because if you go with Jeff Okuda, unfortunately, he's had a very, very bad rap with injuries ever since he got into the NFL. He only played nine or ten games his very first year. He wasn't developed well. He wasn't coached very well. And then his season ended in injury, whether it was shoulder injuries or any other injury he had. So that year was done. It was pretty much uh, it was lost. Then the very next year, which was last year, he has Aaron Glenn to learn from. He has Aubrey Pleasant to learn from. We heard all the reports coming out of OTAs last year. He was making huge strides in development. He was starting to look very good. And then he ruptures his Achilles. He's done first game of the year. He's done for the entirety of the year. Now, if you've been paying attention to his Instagram, you've been paying attention to Twitter, he looks focused. He looks totally rejuvenated. And Amani Oriwarie literally said in an interview, he's like, dude, do not sleep on Okuda. Do not, do not count him out. He is coming with a vengeance. He is coming to actually claim his role as the number three overall pick when we picked him up back in 2020. That's mm-hmm. my breakout candidate for the Lions on defense. Now, my breakout candidate for the Lions on offense, you said Swift. I'm going to go with Jared Goff, and here's the reason why. You brought up the offensive line as why for for DeAndre Swift. Well, for me, it's the entire offensive unit for Jared Goff. You've got a, you've got a top five offensive line. Nobody's going to argue that. But then, if you're talking about Jared Goff last year and just – the lack of a wide receiver core we had. Like, you couldn't rub two pennies together and actually find a wide receiver on our wide receiver core for the majority of the year. Like, that is just how poor of a wide receiver core we had. Now you take a look around, and again, just like we've said before, TJ Hawkinson, Jamison Williams, DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, Quintez Cephas. Like, dude, he can literally, he could take a polecat, swing it around in the air, and throw it, and he could hit one of them, no problem. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's dealer's choice at that point. It's like mm-hmm. literally playing Russian roulette with a loaded gun. Every time you pull the trigger, you're going to hit something. So, for me, it's That's like right. with all of the weapons and all the talent Jared Goff has surrounding him, I don't see any way how Jared Goff doesn't have a breakout year. And the reason I say that is because it's a breakout year for the Lions. Obviously, when he was with the Rams, he had two really great years. But with a breakout mm-hmm. year for the Lions, that's who I think is going to be the candidate on offense. Because with all the talent that he has around him, again, I said it earlier, top 10 offense. I said it also earlier. I think that he can have a top 10 season as a quarterback. The pieces are there. All the coaching is there. I want to see Jared Goff have a breakout year. That's my call. I like that pick. I was between Swift and Goff. And it's funny, they kind of go hand in hand. Like if Goff has a massive year, that's probably because Swift is a menace on the ground. And if Swift is a menace on the ground, that's probably because Goff is killing it in the play action game as well. So hopefully they both have breakout years. I mean, if you go just simply back to the Rams, part of what made that offense so lethal 
Todd Gurley was gashing people yeah. all over the place, and then yeah. Jared Goff was just gashing them with play action. So if those yeah. two can go hand-in-hand in hand lockstep, there is nothing that this offense can't accomplish. Scary hours, baby. Oh, for sure. All right, folks, with that, this has been another episode of Pride or Die. I'm with Nick Bradley. I'm David Pike. And we are so thankful that you guys have come back and watched another episode. Man on a mission, I'm a kid, and you know I be on the way.